Good evening, patients of Sacred Heart Hospital. This is your sleep guide. Tonight, we are going to get into the original episode of Scrubs, the pilot, the series season premiere of episode 101. And if you are familiar with my other podcast, which is the Office ASMR, uh, I'm very excited to be bringing you the Scrubs ASMR. If this is your first time going through this, then uh, welcome. The idea here is that I am going to narrate one of the great television shows of our generation so that you can fall asleep to it without a screen and uh, without the stimulation that can come along with having the screen on and paying attention and following the storyline because you know I started this for a few reasons. Is that Number one, I love sleep podcasts. I fall asleep to many of them, and especially when I was traveling, I found it so incredibly helpful, and there are a few in particular that would always just put me to sleep. Now, on top of that, I absolutely love Scrubs. Scrubs was my original show that I was in love with, and I love The Office, and I love both of those shows, but it's not good to fall asleep with a screen on. You don't want the stimulation or the blue light associated with that. And then on top of that, I love those shows so much that I listen to podcasts about those shows. And, but I also, but I don't want to miss the details of them. I want the behind the scenes. I want the stories and the interviews and th those things. And so uh, it's counterintuitive that you would fall asleep to a podcast of something you want to listen to. And so that's basically how I've landed at narrating episodes of television to help people fall asleep. I've helped thousands of people fall asleep to the office, and I'm hoping that there's some interest in Scrubs as well. Now, the way that the show typically works is I will start off just giving a little bit of an intro, uh, some of my thoughts on the episode possibly, but it's really just to give you a few minutes to uh, pre prepare uh, relax, settle in, and then we'll get into the episode, and most of them are about 20 minutes long. I'll narrate the episode in the hopes that you'll just fall asleep, and then then you're done. And, you know, for a person who's watched the show more than two or three times the entire way through, a lot of times, like, you can visualize the show as I'm talking about what's going on on screen or what they're saying, and that should put you put you right to sleep because I'm going to do this the whole time. I'm not I'm not going to get too loud. Sometimes I laugh. I can't help it. Um, but you know the idea is that you set a sleep timer. You either put it on a small speaker or uh, you know wear wireless headphones. Try. I, I always encourage people not to wear uh, wired headphones. That is not safe to sleep in. So please, safety first. Set your sleep timer so you don't wake up in the middle of the night with something weird playing or uh, or a song playing. But then, you know, it is my goal to just help you fall asleep. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my background with this show and all that stuff, but I think I'll save that for a future episode. I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the point too much on the first one. But as, as anybody can attest to my office ASMR podcast, sometimes, especially if I've just had caffeine, I will talk for 20 straight minutes before the episode. And, and I encourage you to, um, you know, don't do this now. 
this is something for you know tomorrow or another time. I don't want you to think about this again, but um, you know feedback is super appreciated. I'll have links to my Twitter account in the show notes of this episode. Um, iTunes reviews are the main way that you can help to kind of spread the word beside, you know, you share it with somebody, but iTunes reviews are hugely helpful, but none of that is something that I want you to do right now. Right now, it's about relaxing, getting settled in, getting the comfort of uh, this wonderful show that was brought to us by Bill Lawrence and the team, and we'll get into it, so... Tonight is, of course, episode 101, and is JD's first day in Sacred Heart Hospital. This episode aired October 2nd, 2001, so uh, incredible that we're coming up on 20 years of this show, and extremely exciting as well. I was directed by Adam Bernstein, and I think it's worth just getting right into. So we start off with a shot of an alarm clock and JD was already awake he was always able to sleep through anything but last night he wasn't there's a shot of him preparing to shave and he's doing now some kind of uh, there are various designs of the shaving cream on him and it shows him walking into the hospital I don't think we ever see that shot of the hospital again. That's definitely not the entrance that we're used to in the future. And now we have uh, a nurse uh, asking for some help. And he says he doesn't know Jack. And there we have the intro. I'm no Superman. I'm no Superman. We are panning through day one in the waiting room. It looks dingy, dirty, hectic. And we have a flashback to when Ted is explaining that the hospital does not want lawsuits. And now JD is asking Turk if... uh, Well, first it shows that they finished college together, did med school together, and then went to the same hospital. And this is, their relationship is a template that truly inspired uh, many of my male relationships in my life. And it's something that, the show has shaped me personally in several ways because I found it at such an important time. And... You know, it's not that I changed my personality to align with it. It's just that it it gave me the the template or the confidence. You know, it's like I always had very close male friends, but JD and Turk's relationship made it acceptable for me to feel like I could embrace them in a in a more open way. Not not even just physically, but emotionally, and like. That was very important to me. But then also, you know, I always had an inkling of being a very romantic person and being kind of sensitive. And JD's, you know, arc in the show and the way his character is, you know, the way that JD is played is very much that. And 
it gave, it was the same thing. It gave me the acceptance to say, it's okay to be sensitive and emotional and wanting to find love and, you know, wanting certain things that, um, you know, as a middle schooler or a high schooler, you don't really have that template. And so, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that JD, JD has always been such a pivotal character for me and the show has always been such a touchstone in my personal development. And we basically just skipped through a bunch of stuff that was happening. Uh, and we got the first interaction with Elliot and now they're walking up the stairs and JD is admiring her, her tush and uh, saying it looks like Pringles. I never, I've never understood that. And that's one of the, the things that I love about the fake doctors, real friends uh, show is they're talking about all of the things that I've wondered for years. And now I've, I've listened to the directory, the, the commentaries a number of times. Um, and so it's like, I love getting the stories in the podcast, some of the stuff I had heard before, uh, but it's the same reason that I love the Office Ladies podcast is I just love getting, I love getting the behind the scenes stuff. I'm a behind the scenes sucker. Now we have, um, I don't remember his name or his position. He basically is like Kelso's number two. He's like, look, I'm a tool, I'm a tool, a tool, tool, tool. And we don't really see him much through the series, which is interesting. Uh, this is now JD's first interaction with Carla. And now it is Dr. Cox's first appearance on screen. And he's, uh, and JD is like very, very nervous. Uh, to apply an IV. Be nice to Bambi. And, oh, mistake. He is inches from Carlos' rack and hasn't flinched. His subconscious. Eisenhower was a sissy, he says. Oh. It's interesting to see these hospital rooms because they don't look like scrubs at all. Uh, it's like the characters, the characters, that's what's crazy too is, and, and I remember, you know, realizing this during the office too is like the characters are so well initialized that you can you they evolve clearly over the series, but their characters are so well formed in the in the beginning that you can already tell. We have their first rounds now. Doctor Kelso going through his rounds, and JD and Elliot. Uh, JD helps Elliot for the first time, and she was a little frazzled. Let me take you to dinner tomorrow night. Around seven or eight. And that's a date. Why not? Now we're in the break room. And there's this is the first first vision or like fantasy 
but it's JD watching TV and it's like a sitcom show and uh, Elliot climbs on top. This is also the first indication that you're going to get, it's, I mean, by today's standards, it's not very intense of a, of a sexual, uh, you know, nothing really happens other than Elliot rips her shirt off and there's a bra on, but, you know, I remember that that was like, wow, crazy. Dr. Cox is very angry with JD for Tylenol. And he's saying, Dr. Kelso is the most evil human being on the planet. And maybe saying himself. So the continuous dynamic between Dr. Cox and Kelso and the staff is set up very early in the show. Modern medicine advances that keep people alive that should have died a long time ago. Your job is to stay sane enough so someone that you can help, you can't function. What are you doing? Her? She's dead. Here we go. We get our original, uh, the very first time that Kelso or Dr. Cox does the hands on the heads. That is like a. Oh, yeah, that she says, I'm not really dead. Here you go, Bambi. And then there's Turk. I am such a stud. I had my hands inside of a chest, I couldn't see them. How small it looks big. He's like, look, everyone stops bleeding. Oh, and we have our first appearance as a Todd. Big high fives. Big high five with a snap. Again, like character defining trait is the high five and the snap. We see it right at the first time. Uh, uh, now I was shot inside of a very crowded elevator. And, and uh, they need to know if there's gas that could be harmful to people. Mr. Bursky. And now he's going to give him a test. That was the first, like, empathy, empathetic thing we saw. And now we have a shot of the janitor. He's wearing, he's wearing an outfit that says maintenance. Big on the back. Is that always there? I feel like his back is plain in future episodes. I'll have to note the track that one going forward. If there's a penny in there, I'm taking you out. There's a particular shot there that makes him look extraordinarily tall. But Neil Flynn, Neil Flynn's a tall guy. Dr. Dorian, deer in headlights. 
idea. Pierre Messatar's efficiency. Ooh, hit by a truck. That's my girl. Oh, we get a shot. We got this Walkman, Walkman headphones with an antenna. That's very like 99, right? 97 to 99. The needle, boom. Turk, learn by doing, boom. Stabs her right in the stomach. Whoa. Oh, nothing, man. Turk and JD. Turk is, Turk is thinking, hey, maybe JD and Turk need to, you know, not live together. What's it like being a young hotshot doctor? Asks the patient. But JD is saving. And that's disappointing. Oh, first code. Everybody runs. Sprinting. He's like running, running, and then he's hiding in a closet. And there's Elliot. And you get a shot of Turk clearing. Oh, and they're screaming. It says the guy wasn't, the guy wasn't failing. He was just sleeping attached to a bad monitor. And Elliot's like, look, you can do me right here. And then, oh, and then Dr. Cox walks in. Pass me a trick kit. And then closes the door. Our date is totally canceled, he says. And then we come back to JD sitting on the floor. Just waiting to get into the on-call room. And inside of the on-call room is Turk and Carla. Lose the clothes. And he's instantly... Oh, Turk... JD is like upset that Turk is going to move in with Todd. And now the Turk is like shirtless and then Carla comes out. Oh, now we got it. I like this shot. This is Dr. Cox with a child checking him. And he says, look, I need you to fill up this cup. Just drop it on the ground and go anywhere. Put it on the ground. Just go nuts. It's a shame because I know that John C. Riley did a show after Scrubs. I think it was called The Ground Floor. And like didn't go anywhere. And I just love him. I love him as an actor. And now... Dr. Cox, look, just have all the nurse 
nurses continue to do all the things you're too afraid to do. Go hide in the closet again. Elliot is upset that somebody called him a nurse. Darling, sweetheart. Like this show is like a head, was a head of its time. Ooh, Elliot just gave a sick burn to Carla about wearing a thong. I spent every second of my life here or at my mom. You never had a quickly at a club or you had a flat-butted college boy. My thong, it makes my ass look good. I need to feel good about something. You judge me? Miss out for herself. You will not hurt me. Mm, give it to her, Carla. JD's like, oh, her name is Carla. And then there's Nurse, uh, Nurse Roberts giving a nice look. Unlike the documentary style of the office where you get a look to camera, you get the, you know, the characters will give some sort of like a uh, thing between them. Now we have Dr. Kelso prepping JD for his first night on call. Are you ready? You betcha. Mrs. Pratt. Put her on the transplant list. Have a ball on call. Oh my. That was a weird interaction between the two. Oh yeah, this, okay, so this song is playing right now. Also, I guess of note, I'm watching it on, uh, I have all the original DVDs and like, I have, so I have all the original songs. This is, this song, please forgive me if I act strange. This was like a free song on Music Match on like old Windows computers. And it's like so ingrained in my head. Like I feel like I always heard this song because you could play it on any computer. It was always there. I don't think it was in, I don't think it was in Windows itself, but it was in like a music match or something. But this like particular, like very late 90s, early 2000s, like jam for sure. Now we have Nurse Roberts saying that he need, she needs JD in Mr. Bursky's room. He crashed. Pulmonary embolism. Couldn't have caught it. You have to pronounce him. And this is the patient that earlier in the day he was like bonding with a little bit. He looked exactly the same, but completely different. And all he can think about is how hard it is for him. Oh, 200 time of death. Oh, that's actually... It's been a, it's a very late night for me tonight, so... And then it says, look, you gotta move on. You gotta go to the next patient right then. Now I got Turk said, hey, look, I'm scared as hell. If they didn't make surgical masks, everyone would know that I looked 
frightened the whole time. He needs me. JD was very nervous that he was not going to move in. But it turns out that he is a second wind. That's what I'm looking for. And then we get a shot of the janitor saying he's watching JD. And then Dr. Kelso hanging out. In the, I don't think he's ever going to be in this room again. This like break room. But he's, he's explaining the transplant list and insurance and. It's a teaching hospital. Can I just skip this one? Oh, yeah, sport. JD thinks that this is like the the good guy thing. Dr. Dorian. You're nothing but a large pair of scrubs to me. That's a classic line. The only reason I carry this chart is so that I can pretend to remember your names. I'll be scratching your name off my chart. If you don't do it, great sport. So that's the last time you ever think that Dr. Kelso is like a sweet dude. And he says, if he's the jerk, then who's the good guy? And you get him running up to Dr. Cox. JD, do it. You can do this. Chest tube tray. You can do this. Oh, scalpel. Cut him or lose him. Tube into the ribs. Whoa. And there you go. And now Dr. Cox is heading out. That was an intense scene. That was your patient doctor. And then you get a scene. And then you get this like one brief shot where Dr. Cox like almost pats him on the back but holds off. And so it's like you're already seeing all the dynamics really paying off. 31 hours? Is that what you think? Elliot's heading out. And she called the Bursky family for him which is what he didn't want to do or, or you know, couldn't do, and gives him a nice little cheek kiss. And then you get, in the background, you get the... You get the banjo. So now he's heading home. Carla says, get out while you still can. I got through my first three days without looking like an idiot walks into the window 
and false. I'm the man. Here with me, cause love is all we need. Just take a hold of the hand that breaks the fall. Well, you know what I've been told. You gotta break free to break the mold. But I can't do this all on my own. I know I'm no Superman. And that's it. Touchstone Television, a division of the Walt Disney Company. And that'll do it. So I will end each show very quietly, very calmly. I just say goodnight and let you drift off. I want you to either roll into the next episode or hopefully the sleep timers will end at the end of the episode and you'll be asleep. So nothing to hear at the end. Just a good night. Sleep tight.